The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Provoke Podcast. This is Arun Sudharman in Hong Kong. I'm very happy to be joined today by Emma Dale, who's the founder and managing director of Prospect Resourcing. Emma, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you, Aaron. I think we're, seems like lockdown might be ending soon in Hong Kong. We have our fingers news. crossed, indeed. Yeah, everything crossed. <laughs> um, but we're here to talk about the state of the industry report 2020. Um, we had a chat about this, of course, 12 months ago uh, for the 2019 version. This is a very useful report that Prospect and the good people at Public Affairs Asia put out every year and it investigates uh, clients and agency leaders in the public relations industry across Asia. Uh, It looks into skills, it looks into salaries, it looks into trends, challenges and opportunities and of course this year unsurprisingly it looks into the impact of COVID-19. How has that I suppose shaped the results this year Emma? Well, to be honest, we had to reevaluate the report because our initial research was carried out October 2019 until January 2020, um, which meant that everyone's opinion of how 2020 was going to run sadly changed due to COVID-19. So we then uh, re-interviewed 30 heads of agencies and communications heads to get their view on how COVID is now impacting the state of the industry in 2020. Um, And I'm very glad we did that because clearly the findings in the report um, will now be, uh, or rather the businesses will be adapting due to what's Mm. been going on in COVID at the moment. Yes, and I think there was a lot of optimism in the industry in January of this year. You know, last year wasn't wasn't an awful year regionally, but there were some challenges in specific markets, of course, Hong Kong in particular. Um, but I think January started quite well, from what I understand. Budgets were, were, were being released. Then, of course, the coronavirus hit, and then, of course, it went global. Um, and now we're seeing the fallout from all of that. Mm. Uh, there's There's several revealing findings in your report, uh, 56% of respondents are more concerned about their job and career as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. That struck me. Actually, I thought that might be a little bit higher. Um, yes, I agree. The, yeah, so but perhaps that that's a, a reflection of the, the relative seniority of your respondents, do you think? Yeah, I think it could be. I, I do feel that um, everyone is trying to keep as optimistic and positive as they possibly can. Um, But certainly COVID is going to be impacting the comms industry. And when we were asking interviewees about their staff investment plans, it was, as you say, everyone was feeling quite confident. Um, They were going to grow, people were going to be hired. And then after our interview about COVID specifically, things have drastically changed. Um, I think 
we, we definitely are going to see salary freezes. We are definitely going to see reduced budgets. I mean, we are seeing this already. Um, we're going to see a scale back of agency spend. Um, and we are going to see job losses. Um, I think from my conversations with PR agencies, heads and heads of communications, everybody is trying their hardest to keep their staff. Um, that is definitely everyone's priority. Um, but I do think there will be casualties. And yeah, 56% of people concerned about their career is not drastically high. Um, but in a way, let's hope that is actually a realistic figure um, and that we don't have um, too many casualties. I mean, Hong Kong obviously had a terrible year last year in 2019, um, but people were feeling optimistic. Um, and sadly, it's been hit again uh, by the virus. But out of all the countries um, that we're seeing in Asia going through COVID, it looks as if Hong Kong is going to get out of this a lot earlier than others, which let's hope that means that uh, the business will recover towards certainly the end of the year. Mm, let's hope. So there's a number of questions you've asked respondents um, and you've constructed a kind of scale of likelihood mm. for different things happening. Freeze on salary increases is the most likely, which yeah. is, is not surprising. Reduced budgets. Um, this is all from, uh, is this all in-house respondents um, to these questions? So we had both heads of agencies responding and obviously adapted um, the questions to then a head of communications. So I think the head of communications was saying eight out of 10 of them, 8.1 8 out of 10 were saying they were going to scale back on agency spend. Mm. And okay, agency yes. heads anticipated mm. there would be reduced budgets. Right, which is, which is more or less in line with the, the research we've been conducting um, globally as well, although the, the, the wording of the questions we, we've been asking is is different. The the other eye-catching result, I guess, or, or there's a couple, that small agencies closing due to financial difficulties that rank 7.7 .7 out of 10 on a scale of likelihood, um, that's that's quite a concern. It is uh, a concern. Um, but if you are a relatively new and small agency, you don't have reserved funds to get through this. Um, I think that I think that's going to be the challenge. If 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 a business has just started up, um, maybe last year, year before, um, have they got the money in the bank to allow them to sail through two thousand and twenty, get through it, and then focus on two thousand and twenty one? I hope I hope they do. But as I said, our um, our results are saying that there are concerns. That these agencies may not survive. Yeah, um, others that rank you know reasonably high job losses, reduced headcount. Uh, I suspect that's already started um, in some markets and in some types of agencies. Definitely. Uh, and 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 sadly, less investment in training and development in a region where I suppose we'd only relatively recently started to see. Um, I suppose, substantial investment in those areas. It is a real shame because I feel that every year we've run this State of the Industry report, uh, there's always um, a sense that training and development doesn't have a focus. It's a real, real shame because if we don't train and develop our staff, um, they will leave. 
um, and go to somewhere that hopefully will train them. Um, and I feel that agencies over the past couple of years have got so much better at this, have really picked up the momentum, um, are offering, of course, various training courses, but also offering coaching to people. Um, there are certainly mentoring schemes going on. Um, and I really hope that um, this will still happen to retain staff. Um, but the fear is that it may be one of the areas that's cut um, when you're trying to look at what, else, what other costs can be cut. Um, sadly, training and development tends to be one of the first things to go. Um, this year, we actually interviewed mid-level participants. So, ten, so generally over the years, as you know, we've interviewed as heads of agencies and heads of corporate comms functions. And this year we interviewed people that are in the middle, you know, that are managers or seeking to become a leader or not potentially. Um, and I'm afraid a lot of their conversation was that training and development always got pushed to the back of the queue. Um, and that was due to client demands. So, um, yeah, it is it is a concern that training and development may go um, even even more uh, due to due to the budget pressures that everyone's going to have. And the finding about small agencies being under threat, what does that mean, given that one of the other really interesting parts of this report, I thought, was the uh, the observation um, relating to the rise of ultra boutiques and freelancers mm. um, on the agency side? Um, which is something we've seen as well in particular in, in specific markets as well. Uh, you know, they are becoming more popular as an option for in-house comms departments. Definitely. And I think smaller firms are definitely on the horizon. Um, and many have come up um, due to the owner not being content with jobs that were on the market. So they just decided to do it themselves. Um, and I think they enjoy being in control of their own destiny. Um, they are not necessarily being part of a larger network that is constantly looking at bottom line. Um, so I think this has been a really attractive proposition for lots of senior comms people. Um, now, how I really do hope that they will be able to continue to operate and certainly in-house communications heads have been very attracted to them, I think because they tend to be specialists in their field um, and they tend to be senior, senior practitioners. You do have ultra boutiques that are, are, are just senior comms professionals. So therefore the in-house function is getting direct advice from a very senior comms professional. Um, that's very different to go into a bigger consultancy where yes, you have, obviously you have access to the senior people, but you also have a lot of juniors um, that could be working on your business too. Um, and I think also the ultra boutiques are, um, they, you know, they, they are more attractive financially to the in-house comms functions. Yeah, yeah, and did, did you find, um any sense of functions being brought in-house as well? Yes, I think, I think functions are deciding whether they actually bring people in-house or carry on with their agency spend. Uh, we definitely saw last year several firms contacting us to hire their first member of their staff in, in, a com, in, in the comms function. Um, I think that will continue. Having said that, they're not going to be big. These comms functions are going to be lean. 
the main sort of drive through our report when we're speaking to in-house professionals is they're always having to do far more with far less and that's just going to continue. So I think the communications functions will be lean machines, um, but they will be outsourcing um, some work. Of course, they'll have to. Now, will they be doing that to agencies or will they actually prefer to do that to a freelancer? And, you know, what you were saying about the rise of freelancers, I think I think this is fantastic. I mean, freelancers are really starting to gain momentum in Asia and it's taken years to get that. Um, I think the the old... Uh, view was that uh, if you were freelancing, it was that you weren't good enough to get a permanent job, which is utter rubbish, but that's what everybody felt. Um, but now that view's changed. Um, and I think in-house functions and agencies are going to be thinking, right, well, can we afford another permanent headcount? No, we can't. Well, we just pull on our network of freelancers that we're working with. And surely I would think clients now that everyone is virtual and all their teams are virtual, they're probably thinking, well, what is the actual difference between having a freelancer that's already perhaps working remotely and paying for an agency where, you know, at least a significant part of my spend is going towards covering their real estate costs? <laughs> um, you know, that, I, mean, I can't imagine these kinds of considerations are, are not being made. Or, or won't be made at some point? Well, I guess it depends on whether we are going to be continuing this remote working post-COVID. I mean, we have, we have now, everybody's working from home. Um, I think there will be firms that are starting to go back. Um, there will be firms that, of course, will keep their offices. But will there be firms that just don't need them? Will these ultra boutiques still work from home? I imagine majority of them do anyway. Um, but what's the point of having an office? Um, I think with freelancers, freelancers typically are the back end. Um, they are not client facing as much as in the UK. So in the UK, a freelancer will be interacting with clients. What I've noticed here is that the freelance support tends to be content development, um, putting together a pitch proposal, not necessarily actually directly liaising with the client. Um, so you're right, you know, why would they uh, hire um, potentially an agency when they just need a freelancer in the background? Exactly. I, I, I feel like maybe clients that would not have considered potentially working with a, you know, a remote PR consultant, uh, now they've had to. You know, every, everyone they're working with is remote. So, you know, perhaps it's almost... Like after going through this experience, they'll be more open to, to new ideas anyway. We'll, we'll see, I guess. Absolutely. I, th I think this, re this working remotely, from my point of view, is one of the best things to have come out of COVID. You know, we have had years and years of employees wanting flexibility, wanting to be able to work from home. Um, that we've had... Um, tends to be women that have turned down permanent jobs because they don't want a permanent role. They need to be at their home, um, maybe work from home one day a week, and they've had to turn down jobs because companies have not given them that flexibility. Now, you know, w whether firms have liked it or not, they've had to trust their employees to work from home. And I really think that this has proved to a lot of companies that it can actually work. We have great technology now to allow us to do that. And they're now having to trust their 
employees to do it. Now everyone wants to go back to the office. Um, <laughs> but but is it true, you know, there's always been this perception that um, flexible working practices, even work-life balance considerations are, are somewhat behind the curve in this part of the world. Is that is that a fair perception? And, and, and do you think that perhaps actually now maybe there's a a leapfrogging that will happen here, given how comfortable everyone is with, with the technology. I mean, I, I, I do get the impression that people in Asia have kind of adapted really quickly to remote working. Yeah, they have. Um, but some have found, found it very difficult because it was just not what we did. People did not work from home. Where when I was recruiting in the UK and candidates will be, be put into roles where always one of the benefits was flexible working work from home um it's just what everyone does um so asia is late to the party in that respect but i think has adapted incredibly well um our work-life balance in asia i don't believe has been as good as the uk and in the west um but i think it's getting so much better i really really do i think agencies get a really hard time with people saying, I don't want to go to an agency because I'll have terrible work-life balance. I want to go in-house. Well, if you read our report, you will see that stress levels and uh, perceived work-life balance um, is equally the same in-house and agency. You know, we have in-house senior heads who have probably more stress and less work-life balance than their agency heads. Mm, Um, Especially now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And if you are in-house, your internal stakeholders do not go away. Um, And a lot of the people that I deal with who are heads of corporate affairs, heads of comms, they're on call 24-7. They would not say they have work-life balance and they would certainly say they have high stress levels. Um, Now, I do think senior agency and in-house professionals are really protecting their staff underneath them. I do think we're seeing that. I think agencies are much, much better than ever before at um, looking after their staff and um, creating flexibility, um, protecting people from uh, demanding clients. Um, You know, I think everyone is explaining to a client what they can do, what they can't do, and trying to protect, give boundaries to people's work, home life. Um, So we've definitely seen that in this year's report, more so than ever before. And I think what we've seen more so this year is also how everyone thinks in-house is um, a more reliable, safer and easier hours. And it just isn't. It just isn't. And it's it's better paid as well in in Asia. Well, Um, in-house roles typically are absolutely, they're they're better paid than agency up until you're actually running an agency. When you're running a business, your earning potential is higher in an agency than it is in-house. But I I do feel that lots of people want to go in-house because they perceive it to be much better for their work-life balance. Yeah, it's also a face thing, isn't it, in Asia? Isn't that part of it as well? I've always thought it just sounds better to work for... A corporate than an agency you know when you have to tell your parents or whoever I've always felt that's that's an issue definitely I think when we look at candidates and what they're looking for um, there's a, a, a lot of people that want to be the client absolutely they want to be the client they want to tell their parents that they're the client you're absolutely right that does happen um, 
but uh, being the client is is can be a very interesting fulfilling role but I just hope that people don't go in-house just because they um, they think it's going to be look amazing on their CV they think they're going to have great work-life balance because you can get amazing training amazing opportunities and agency as well um, but you're absolutely right I'm afraid the trend is always and still years years down the track is always going to be in-house yeah. as a preference so Let's talk a little bit about the skills that are in demand, um, whether whether on the in-house side or agency side. Perhaps we can start with in-house, and and that there's the usual, the usual stuff where people complain about a lack of talent, um, but notwithstanding that, are there any particular skills that really stood out to you um, in terms of being in demand that maybe you haven't seen before? I was going to say, I feel like I always have a laundry list of what everybody wants. Um, look, I think in-house, I definitely feel it's really hard to find skilled government relations, public affairs people who've got contacts, who understand how the government and that market operate. Um, advisory skills, in-house um, I think everyone is saying that it is just so important now. You are working directly with a C-suite, but not just being able to advise, but also being able to push back. Don't be a yes person. You know, you actually do have to push back um, and be resilient with internal stakeholders. Hmm. Um, and how about... Sorry, go on. No, I, w- I was just going to say that I think also in-house functions, as they're, as they're reducing in size, that is... What that means is the people that are working in them have to be a bit of jack of all trades. Um, you know, so you do need to be able to do internal comms, employee engagement, external comms, media work. You need to be social and digital um, literate. Um, so that's what I mean by a laundry list. I think everybody is wanting a lot from their comms people. But on the agency side, I think... Um, advisory skills are so in demand and particularly at the moment if you are advising your client um, about their reputation you need to have exceptional advisory skills and experience of dealing with real critical issues um, and be able to manage very complex situations Um, again agency staff don't have similar skills to in-house. So again, it's the uh, being able to do employee engagement and internal comms in agency just as much as in-house. Um, certainly the digital side of it is so important, writing all the time. But you know what? Personality. I mean, we're in a communications role and I think we we forget at times that personality is absolutely crucial. And certainly when firms are hiring more junior talent into a comms function or into an agency, It's people that actually have passion and drive to do it, who um, are willing to roll their sleeves up, get stuck in, turn their hand to anything, have real a real um, strong work ethic, and believe it or not, still those things are hard to come by. Yeah, the the other thing that stood out to me in the section on recruitment and retention, um, one Australian-based head of function said that to boost retention, creating a sense of clear career planning is important. How much of a challenge is this on the in-house side? Well, it is hard, isn't it? Because if the comms functions are shrinking, um, you could be in a function that has two other people above you. 
well and as you know people stay in house for a long time they stay in their roles much longer than consultancy so if you know that somebody above you is never going to leave that's when you leave yourself to to try and get a career path elsewhere so that has never changed i think it is really really hard to keep on moving people up the ladder in house as you know in consultancy there are very that there are a number of levels and so people can move up quickly um, and feel that their career is progressing. But I do think it's hard in-house, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And we, we talked already a little bit about work-life balance. Um, what are you seeing in terms of, of stress levels? There's a section on stress levels in the report. There's a lot of concern right now, obviously, about stress levels, um, given the, the anxious times we're living in. Um, and of course, there will be concerns about how this is impacting the mental health um, of professionals on both an in-house and agency side. Is the industry able to handle these demands? Well, I think Hong Kong was put through its paces last year with the protests. That was highly stressful for a lot of people in Hong Kong. Um, and absolutely affected their mental health. And with COVID-19, we're not just dealing with a tricky economy, we're dealing with deaths, um, substantial amount of deaths. So actually there are agencies and I'm sure in-house functions where one of your member of one of your team or several members of your team could have been affected. Their, some of their family might have died. You know, that is the type of thing that none of us have really experienced before. So yes, stress and mental health is huge. But again, I do feel companies are trying really, really hard to manage it. There was lots of conversation in our interviews about how they are trying to be, be more aware of people's mental health, um, putting their senior management team on training courses so they can spot the signs of when somebody has got concerns about their mental health. Um, so I do feel, again, everyone is trying to protect their staff more. Um, stress is going to be there. You're, we're, in a, we're in a servicing industry. Um, whether you're sat in house or whether you're sat in agency, I, I believe comms roles will be, have an element of stress to them, 100%. And then obviously that, if that's not addressed, is going to really affect people's mental health. Um, but I do think there are some really nice initiatives that are going on. For example, um, Golan's email shutdown policy, I think is fantastic. Um, so when somebody goes on vacation, they do not have access to their emails. And, oh. and then they have um, a half day. <laughs> we all need it, absolutely. It's a brilliant initiative. And then the day that they come back from vacation, their first half day is solely for them to go through their inbox. Now, mm. I think that's amazing because you can go on holiday and you're properly relaxing. You are properly being able to unwind. Um, so if we can see more of those initiatives, I think that would massively help. Um, mm. But then people like uh, Sinclair have trained all their members through Mind Hong Kong um, on mm. being mentally health aware. So look, we, there are some good initiatives that are coming up. We just need more of them. But I definitely yeah. think, again, this this report was the first time that I've really seen significant change in how companies mm. are trying to address mental health. Yeah, I would agree, actually. I mean, some of the stuff in here, there's there's a uh, practitioner or a manager who says, um, 
you know, I expect work to be done not through presenteeism. There was a, a Singapore-based uh, comms leader who said she doesn't email her staff at night or over the weekend. Uh, you know, these, these are things, it's still, they still feel to me like these are new developments. I wonder if you have a sense of how representative they are of the industry as a whole, which I know is a hard question to answer. No, I, th I think that happens all the time. I think um, we, and particularly now, I mean, there's, obviously we're in a very stressful situation, but people need to be making money. So their stress levels are even higher. Um, you know, certainly the agencies are trying to pitch for business left, right and centre. Um, so I'm sure their hours are, what you know, they're working longer hours. I'm sure there's having to be a few emails at weekends and calls. Um, and there's an element of this is just our industry. Um, but, I, but I do think we are, I'm afraid, a bit slow to the party compared to the West. I think the West have managed to... Um, help people's mental health and stress levels a little bit earlier than we have done in in Asia um but it but it's still it's you know I think we are definitely getting better I certainly see it as a positive um and I think now that as I said before that what a good thing about Covid is everybody being able to work remotely that's proving to companies um that uh, you can work remotely which again is going to allow people more time to do what they want outside of work. Um, and so this, this will improve people's mental health, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, th I, think, I think we're on the, we're on the up, but there's plenty more to do. Yeah, I think there's, there's far more awareness of it. There's no question. And I think the situation we are going through now has made people even more aware of um, just how fragile uh, mental health is, and, you know, it, w with these kinds of, with the stress and with the anxiety that everyone is going through. Um, I think that has actually been a really big lesson. And, and if it means that in the future, after this, agencies can, and, and in-house departments continue taking uh, mental health more seriously, then, you know, hopefully that's one of the good things to come out of this situation. Absolutely. Right? And I think they will. Um, I don't think it's going to drop. I think it will continue to improve. Um, but I do think if companies now allow their staff more flexibility and working from home, that is instantly going to improve people's mental health. Okay, well, thank you very much um, for your time, as always. I would recommend um, everyone get hold of this report. Uh, it's called the State of the Industry Report 2020. I think it's on the prospect website um, it'll be on the public affairs asia website as well so th there's a lot more in the report beyond what we've um, chatted about today i think there's it's based on um, surveys with over 100 practitioners in the region so there's plenty to discuss and plenty to examine and learn um, emma thank you again quite all right take care of yourself will do um, and stay safe You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.